Hi, everybody. This is Kathy. And this is Todd. And welcome to our new show called Conversations with People We Love. Um, we're going to be speaking with authors, friends, philanthropists, you name it. It's basically people who are out there making the world a better place. Yes, these people inspire us and we think they'll inspire you. And this program is brought to you by BU, Raising Whole and Courageous Kids. These aren't just workshops, it's a movement. Enjoy the show. Here we go. My name is Todd Adams. And this is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to another episode of Conversations with People We Love. We have a friend of ours back from school. Her name is Katie Weiss. Katie, say hello. Hello. Welcome to Zen Parenting Radio. So um, we had Katie on. Sweetie, I'm going to let you kind of... Well, first of all, Katie, are you... What year did you graduate? Because you're younger than Todd, right? I graduated college in 96. 96? She's a baby. Is that possible? I graduated in 93. You're old. You're- so were you a freshman when I was a senior? Yes. Oh, my God. See, and it's so funny. It's great when we get in our 30s and 40s because we don't... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, I think, about us being the same age. But in college, it feels like such You would a never deal. stoop to talk to a freshman no, as a senior. No, of course I would. Oh, it's not sorry. about stooping. It's about feeling no, And now I work with people that are born in 1990. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. <laughs> like, well, I went back to Drake. That's where we went to school, Drake University in Des Moines, Iowa. And I was telling a girl at the sorority house that I was in, I said, oh, yeah, I graduated in 93. And she's like, that's when I was born. Yeah, it's oh, crazy. It's like, oh, that's oh, great. Thanks. Yeah. But anyway, so I ran into Katie at your friend's party, Todd. Yeah. 40 Fest. 40, 40 Fest. Fest, yes. We're a lot of 40 Fest going on. <laughs> kind of loud. And, um, <laughs> a little loud. A little music. loud. A little loud. Yikes. And so I ran into Katie and just was so happy to see her because I hadn't seen her in so long. And and one of the reasons I was really happy to see her is I knew that um, she had been diagnosed with cancer, with breast cancer. And again, I just asked her when you were 35. Yes. So now you are how old? I'm 39. 39. So she is what, do you use the term survivor? Survivor, and I guess officially with the type of cancer I had, I go into remission after five years. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's just start there. You, what type of cancer was it? I was diagnosed with invasive ductal carcinoma, triple negative, stage three. Wow, what does that words. mean? Yeah, what does that word? So, I guess my understanding is that where it is, so it was in the ducts, so it's invasive ductal carcinoma. The stage goes by the size of the tumor. And the grade is once they remove the tumor, it goes grades one through four, one being the least aggressive, four being the most aggressive. And what were you? Four, stage 2B, almost three. So a very scary, scary form. So start us at the beginning. How did you know? Was it a mammogram or was no, it, did you feel I never it? had a mammogram. So I was in the shower and I have one of those loofah sponge things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I went over my chest and I found a lump. And um, I called my best friend, Shelly Perkins, who her mom had breast cancer. And I said, I found a lump in my breast. And she's like, well, that's, you know, you're 35. I have no family history, nothing else. And um, I had, I was, had large chest. Right. So everyone's, you know, it was nothing. I went to work the next day and I had my friend from work. I said, I found a lump in my breast because at this time my husband and I were separated. Uh. So I had Lori confirm that there was a, a lump there. And she's like, to be honest, I've never touched your breast before. So I right. did. <laughs> I did you know, this is a first for me. Right. And mm-hmm. she's like, 
I feel it. There's something there. So I took advice and, of course, went online. And they said, wait a cycle for your menstrual cycle because your breast can, your density of your breast can change. So I waited and the lump didn't change. And I contacted my gynecologist and I went in on a Wednesday night. She confirmed that there was a lump there and scheduled a mammogram for that Monday. Okay. So I'd never had a mammogram. Okay. So how many days did you have to wait for that mammogram? I went in three days, four days later. And what were those three or four days like? Do you remember that time? It was, you know, just talking to people like who's had a mammogram, what does a mammogram feel like? And okay. everyone talks about, oh, you'll be fine because you have big boobs and they'll just smush it and it won't hurt. So and then everyone everything. talks about like, well, if you have small ones, then it hurts. So then everyone's just talking about the size of the breast and the experience of a mammogram. So I went in and they put a marker on where they can physically feel the uh, lump. And it was right on the front of my breast. So... She puts a marker on it. She does the mammogram. And I keep saying, I'm like, do you see it? Do you see it? And she's like, sweetie, if I, if you feel it, I see it. Right. There is, there's something there. Right. I'm sure it's nothing. I'm sure it's a fibroadenoma. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. What's that? So after the mammogram, you go in this little room. And I was, my Aunt Mary escorted me with everything who lives in the suburbs because I don't have, my parents aren't here or my sister, anybody. So the radiologist comes out and says, you know, we found there's something there. We want you to come in tomorrow for a biopsy. And that's the first time where I freaked out. I'm like, why do you need me to come tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And I'll probably start to cry. And I said, I have a, I have a three-year-old. I can't come in tomorrow. I can't get coverage. I'm a single mother, so on and so forth. So then he was just like, well, what about Wednesday? And I was like, I'll clear my schedule Wednesday. And I remember calling my work from the mammogram and said, I need to not be at work Wednesday. I'm having a biopsy. And they said that, you know, that's Mm -hmm. fine. Take the time. So that was the only thing. And then the radiologist is like, well, given your age, given the fact that you have no family history, you're healthy, you've never had any other health complications. um, I'm sure it's a fibroadenoma, which is a fatty tumor. So I said, fine. And then I told my parents and then I told Lulu's dad that this was happening. Lulu's your daughter. Yeah, Lulu. <laughs> and she's three at the time. She, yes, she's three and a half at the time. So, because now this is May of 2010. So then I go back in for the biopsy. And my only thing that I tell people about the biopsy, so they numb your breast. My aunt again goes with me. And they tell you that you're going to, you'll hear a loud noise. Hmm. Well, it was a gunshot noise. Like, it wasn't just, and so I'll talk about the positive was there's, the room was filled with care and concern. So you're laying there and obviously very nervous. Mm-hmm. And you have one nurse is holding your hand. You have the radiologist that's taking the tumor, the extractions. And then two other women in the room just making sure that you're fine. Wow. Wow. So that, it was a very... Nurturing. It was a very nurturing experience. And then, but the extractions were so loud because I guess they have to go so deep into the tumor to extract the cells or whatever it was. So the process of that was didn't take very long. Painful? No. Okay. She was numbed out. N- the breast is numb, and then afterwards you get one of the boo-boo patches that you use for kids. Yeah. And then so I had the – it was like a dog or whatever, and then you just put that on your breast and you wear a soft bra. Mm-hmm. And then the radiologist said, I will contact your – I will have the results by Friday, 
call my office. They said, perfect. Okay. Great. So the waiting game was a little weird. And then I got a call Friday at 107 mm-hmm. from my gynecologist saying, I need you to come into the office. And then it's Memorial Day weekend. I need you to come into the office on Tuesday. I have an appointment at 11 to see how your breast is healing. And I said, okay, is that standard? You know, what's going on? And she's like, oh, no, 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 it's standard. I just need you to come in on Tuesday at 11. And I hang up the phone. And then that weekend I wasn't having my, her dad was having regular visits then. And I didn't have Lulu that weekend. And I remember on that Saturday night was the only time that I freaked out. I'm like, what am I going to do if I have cancer? Mm. Like, what am I going to do? And everyone says, you're not going to have it. You're not going to have it. It's not going to be. Like, there's no way you're going to have it. So Monday, no, it was Tuesday. Tuesday morning, June 1st, I went to work. And we had an all-school assembly for the positive. I'm a school social worker. We have an all-green team assembly for the kids that make positive choices. So I have this goofy green team shirt on. And I'll never forget, I never wear shorts. I don't really like my legs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I had these goofy shorts on. And um, I had brought all my Bed Bath & Beyond coupons. Because if I had to take a half day, I was going to do something with it and buy these new towels that I wanted after the um, doctor's appointment. And I went and my aunt met me at the at the doctor's office. And I didn't ask her to. I said, you don't need to be here. You could go. And she's like, well, I want to be here. Like, you know, just, you know, we'll go out to lunch afterwards. She'd It'll been be with fine. you the whole way yeah. through. Right. So um, I go in the office and the, I was roomed. And then we were in, and then the doctor came in. And I had no, this was a new gynecologist. I have no relationship with this woman at all. I mm-hmm. know she was the head of the gynecology department. So that's why I picked her. And um, she comes in, and then she's like, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, good. And she doesn't look at my breast. So then mm-hmm. I asked, I said, what, what's going on? And I said, I thought I was here to follow up for the, for the biopsy. And she, you know, she fiddles around and looks at the breast. She's like, it's healing. Why don't you get dressed? I have a page. I'll be right back. Ooh. Oh, geez. And I look at my aunt, and I said, I think she's going to tell me I have cancer. Mm-hmm. And then she comes back in, and I look at her, and she starts to well up. And, I, and I'm like, just say it. Just say it. And she said, I'm sorry, but you have invasive ductal carcinoma. Mm. And then I, I fell back on the table, and my aunt just held me, and I was sobbing. Mm. And my... And I'm like, this can't happen, this can't happen. And I got really angry with the doctor. And I was like, you said it was going to be nothing. You mm-hmm. said it was going to be nothing. Mm-hmm. She, and then I, told, I was like, get out. Get out of the room. Get out. I was screaming at her. And then um, I don't, she, <laughs> she came back in and she has all these brochures. Like, this is what you have to do next. You have to go downstairs. You have to get your blood drawn. You have to do this. And I just look at her and I said, all I hear is wah, 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 cancer. Just get out, Mm -hmm. get out. Mm -hmm. So then then this nurse came in and she actually is a mother of a student that I had at at the school I was working at the time. 
and she's crying and she's handing me this water and she's just like, and I'm like, I have cancer. I have cancer. And she's like, I know. Mm. And then I thought I was going to throw up. So I went to the bathroom and then I came back and then my phone kept ringing because now my appointment's at 11 and now it's like 1145 and everyone keeps calling. Like, where are you? Where are you? I remember telling my mom, the doctor kept talking to me about the BRCA. I needed to get this BRCA gene test because it's going to determine my course of treatment. What am I going to do? And all the stuff. And I was like, oh, and then she kept saying it was so expensive. It was, I don't know if your insurance covers it so expensive. And I'm like, do you need money? I'm like, what do you, I don't know what to do. So my aunt was just like, who is my angel? It was, and then. She was taking down these notes. They were, I had to go to the downstairs for blood work. And then my, I remember calling my mom, and my mom's a true businesswoman. And it's like my dad's the emotional one, and my mom's the business one. Interesting. So parallel to my mm-hmm. father. <laughs> and um, my mom's just like, well, we're going to figure it out. We're go- It'll be fine. And I'm like, I have cancer. And she's like, pause, pause, n- nothing. I... And she's like, are you sure? And I'm like, I, I think so. <laughs> and then I just said, can I have money for this test? They keep telling me I need all this money for this test. And she's like, I'll send you my, I don't, whatever you need, whatever you need, we're going to figure it out. Right. And then I went downstairs to get this blood work. It was more like a daze. Oh, let me, this is my biggest thing. And I, oh, and she, the doctor gave me a list of therapists. She's like, you're going to need a therapist. And I'm like. Okay, I'm gonna need a drink. Is what I need. <laughs> I was like, show me to I'm the like, bar. Oh my god, I don't need the therapist. <laughs> so, I worked for the hospital system that I was treated at. I worked there for three or four years, so I knew people in the Department of Psychiatry. So I had called my friend Tina, and I was like, Tina, I need a therapist. This is her name, and Tina's like, What? Why? What's going on? Why do you need a therapist? And I'm like, I have cancer. And then Tina's like, what? And then it just was this weird, like, matter of fact. I was like, I need to get a therapist. I couldn't get it out of my head what I needed to get. And then um, Shelly Perkins called. I told Shelly. She just cried. And then um, I went downstairs to get a blood draw. And I was just staring at the ladies, just like, are you okay? And I'm like, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. And then I have cancer. And I just couldn't stop telling. Like, I was like, I can't believe this. So then my aunt pulls the car around. I remember telling my cousins. And my dad, I couldn't get a hold of my dad. I couldn't get, like, I was like, I I don't even remember telling my sister. My best friend Lori called the one that felt the lump Mm -hmm. (laughs) at work. She was like, I'll be over after school. We're going to figure it out. And then um, my aunt said, Oh, I remember they were like, you have to find a plastic surgeon. I had to find a therapist and a plastic surgeon and a and a breast surgeon. And that's your responsibility to find? Yeah, they're just like, here's a list of providers. You're going to okay. have to find one. We suggest you it, you interview them. Okay. Like, you see who you make the best fit with. This is, you know, and I'm like, they just, it's like. It's a like when you get when you get engaged, it's like oh you have to find a venue, you have to find this and this and this, and I had it's the same pro- like totally. you have to do all this stuff, and I'm like, well, I think diagnosis is just being hard enough. Like I needed a cancer planner, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Absolutely. a wedding planner. I needed. There's a business in there, Katie. <laughs> so I remember, 
I don't know how they gave you a list. It's like a book of what providers there are. And she, the Dr. Swenson was like, I think you, this would be a good fit. She had circled ones that she thought would be a good fit. I called my aunt Carol or my aunt Mary called my aunt Carol. And then of course my aunt Carol said, Oh, I go to the country club with that one. I'll call his wife. And I'm like, perfect. Wow. (laughs) Perfect. Just call him and get me in. And she did. I had an appointment like three days later. Wow. Um, we went, my Aunt Mary said, I think you need to get something to eat. And I was like, mm-hmm. and we left my car there. And then we went to Hackney's because where should you go when you're diagnosed with cancer? <laughs> or it's a birthday or anything else, you go to Hackney's. <laughs> the celebration venue. Right. Mm-hmm. So we went to the one on Lake Avenue. We sat outside. I ordered a Miller Lite and French fries and a salad. The curly fries. Oh, They're, yeah. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. So we sat there and... I remember texting Lulu's dad and I said, I need you to pick her up from school or daycare. She was a daycare. And he, and he of course, we were separated, not getting really along at that time. And he was just like, I, I can't pick her up. And I'm like, I'm going to need you to pick her up today. Right. Like I need what, and he knew I was going to the doctor. And then, then it was, I think he, it clicked. And he's like, what did the doctor say? I said, I'll talk to you later. Can you meet me at the house? Then of course I need to know what happened at the, like, so I called him, and I just said, I have cancer. And to get dead silence. And then he said, I'll get the baby, and then I'll meet you at home. Mm. That, was, that was it. Um, and then he, well, and then, so the hardest part about that day, several things, but I remember my dad was not available. So now his two sisters knew. My mom, knew, everyone knew, and I was like, obsessed with like I have to tell my father I have to tell my father and then he called and he's like why does it Carol keep calling why do my sisters keep calling me and then I just said and he's like is it true mm-hmm. and then I say I'm sorry oh. I'm sorry and I kept saying I'm sorry and then he he said like it's not supposed to happen to you it's supposed to happen to me And he just said, no, we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out. And he's crying. Mm -hmm. And it was, that was the worst, like, telling. I don't know what it was. Like, both my parents are my best friends, and I'm so blessed for that. But, like, he just was like, it's not. You're my baby. Like, that's not. So I finished my Miller Lite. I think I might have had two. I didn't eat anything else. I might have had some French fries. I think I told the waiter seven times I had cancer. Oh the poor God. kid had no idea. He's like, oh he's like this one's he's on pro- me. Right. He's probably like some Glenbrook kid. Yeah. And then I was like crying, you know, and he's like, oh, my God. So we, my Aunt Mary takes me back to the car. And she's like, you have to go home. And I'm like, okay. Like at this point, like I felt like I was just, I was so all over the place. But this is pretty true to me. I go, I'm taking the highway from Lake Avenue and I'm going down and I'm about to approach Tui and I'm like, I should go to Bed Bath & Beyond because I had my Bed Bath & Beyond coupons. (laughs) And in my head, I'm like, I don't want to go home. Like if I go home, it's real. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. So I pull off and I go to Bed Bath & Beyond. I go to look at the towels. 
And then I think it hit me. Everything hit me. And I moved the towels over and I got in the towels. Oh, gosh. And I pushed the towels around me. And I'm sobbing. I mean, like a complete breakdown in Bed Bath & Beyond. You hear the overcome. Manager to towels, please. Manager to towels, please. The woman comes over and she's like, do you need assistance? Like what? And I said, I have breast cancer and I don't want to go home. And then she said, you could stay here as long as you want. I said, okay. I don't know. I have no idea how long I was there. No idea. And I remember Ishmael Lulu's dad called and he's like, where are you? I'm home. And I said, I'm at Bed Bath & Beyond. And he's like, Katie. <laughs> So I need to come get you. And I'm like, no, I'll come home. I'm going to come home. I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave Bed Bath & Beyond. I've never been to that Bed Bath & Beyond, by the way, ever again. (laughs) They're like, oh, my God. So I go home. And he is waiting. Lulu's running around in the front yard. And he's waiting on the front porch, like the front steps. And he is sobbing. Mm. And I'm like. Oh, my God, this can't happen. Like, this can't happen. His sister brought flowers. They were on the front thing. My, His mother's over, and she's praying, and she's crying. And I'm like, this cannot be happening. And then there's Lulu. Yeah. Three and a half, has no idea of what's going on. That night, Lori was came over. I think there's just a lot of talking on the phone. I drank wine. Shocking. <laughs> um, and I got up and I went to work the next day. Oh, wow. my gosh. I got up and I, I scheduled a meeting with my two principals. And I said, I have. I told them, I said, I have cancer. One of them said, I'm sure you'll be fine. <laughs> and they, they're very business-like. Yeah. And then I just said, I don't want to lose my job. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. what happens when you get sick? So at this point, I just had cancer. Like, nobody tells you. They tell you to get all these doctors. I go. So at this point now, Ishmael, we're, you know, he's now coming over every day. Oh, I don't know. This is like the week. But I remember going. I met with the breast surgeon. Not the plastic surgeon because that's a whole different guy. Yeah. And I go in. It's a 6 o'clock p.m. appointment. My Aunt Carol, thank God, got me in through the Country Club Connection. (laughs) And my Aunt Mary's there. She has a whole, she had bought notebooks. Like she was prepared to take all these notes because they had said. She was your advocate. Yes. Someone had told me, I don't know who it was, or maybe my aunt knew, that you can never go to an appointment by yourself because right. they give you all this information. So somebody's got to take the information down. Somebody, and then somebody else has, like someone there to listen because you don't listen, I guess. So I'm sitting there and Dr. Winchester, who was exceptional, he comes in and there was like, all these medical students in the room, and one of them had a very thick accent, and I couldn't understand what he was saying. <laughs> and I'm like raising my hand. I'm like, I'm sorry. I can't understand. He's asking me questions, and I don't know what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> so then the doctor comes in, and he's like, we're going to take an ultrasound of your breast. Just stand, sit here or whatever. And he told me to reach my hands above my head. <laughs> it was so awkward. So I have my a strange husband in the room, my aunt, so I was a little more comfortable with her in the room. And then I hands him on my head, and he puts this uh, ultrasound lotion and starts massaging my breasts. Oh, 
And then my response was, could you at least dim the lights? (laughs) (laughs) And Anne's like, oh, God. And then Ishmael's just sitting there, and I am dying laughing. And the doctor's like, what? And I'm like, if you're going to do this, at least we can have some romance. And all the medical students are dying laughing. And then he's like, are you going to be a difficult patient? I'm like, you have no idea. (laughs) And then my aunt's like, oh, here we go. Here we go. So he did dim the lights to appease me. Right. And then he, you know, he... Does whatever the ultrasound, and then he's like, "Get dressed, and then we'll talk." I'm like, "All right." So we're sitting there, and then he comes in, and he's like, "So it doesn't look good." And I'm like, "Oh, that's great." What and I'm a like, statement. "But it was like, I, it was more like in jest. Like, I get, we're gonna, this is gonna, we're gonna get like, through. We're it. gonna, right? This, but. Like, but it doesn't, it doesn't look good." Mm-hmm. And I said, well, "You know, let's talk about." It. And he's like, "Well." We can either do the surgery before or after chemo. No one at this point had said I, I was getting chemo. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm sorry, excuse me? And he's like, you're going to have to have chemotherapy. And I'm like, what? And then I said, I thought it was just a tumor. And he goes, the size of the tumor is large. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. Like, so he's sitting there, and then I just I started crying again, and then I'm like, chemo? I didn't I didn't get it, mm-hmm. and then he just and then it was talked about the difference between getting a lumpectomy versus one breast removed versus a total bilateral, and so we we're going over it, and he was going over these options, and I I mean where the tumor was, it was right on top of my areola, like it would have my entire breast would have been mangled through yeah. a, a, a lumpectomy. So I'm like, well, I don't want that. And then I kept so I'm like, I'm 35. Yeah. I'm like, so basically, he said, my chances of survival are no different between a lung lumpectomy or a, a bilateral. And then I kind of, I said, knowing my personality, I was like, well, it came as a set. I'm like, I'm not yeah. getting one removed. Yeah, right. And so I'm saying there, Ishmael is just a disaster at this point. Like, he cannot, like... We, our marriage wasn't already stable and falling apart. And then now he's like, oh, my God, now she's sick? Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> so we're sitting there. And then I said to him, I said, if I was your daughter, what would you tell me to do? And he said, without hesitation, I would do a, I would take both, bre- I would remove both breasts so at night you could sleep with both eyes shut. Mm. He's like, because the chances of it coming back would be, in the other breast, like, I can't tell you it wouldn't come back in the other breast. Like, I, he's like, that's what I would tell my daughter. And I said, well, then I'm done. And that was a more difficult because it's that was the most aggressive. Mm-hmm. And so I think my parents at first were like, I don't understand. Like, why don't you just get the lump? Like, it's a lump. Get the lump removed. I'm like, okay, well, the size of the lump and where it is, I would be completely disfigured. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not okay with that either. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wasn't okay with anything. Right. So that I don't even know what happened then. Do you have any questions? <laughs> What's funny <laughs> is we... when we started this interview, or right before we clicked record, you said, you guys are going to ask questions. <laughs> We've been talking for a half hour and haven't asked a single question. <laughs> and, and I will just say that I've never been so moved. We've done 160-some-odd episodes, and your story is very moving. 
So I just felt like I needed to interject that. Well, and the and the reason it's so moving is because I'm with you in Bed Bath and Beyond. Do you know what I mean? I'm there, you know. And if I was that woman, I would have stayed there with you. Did that woman stay there with no. you? Oh, and it's and I'm and I don't want to criticize her, but the well, what I was going to say is, thank God it was a woman manager that came yeah. over to you because if it was a guy, he would have run away scared and wouldn't even said that that sentence of of you being consoled is stay there as long as you want. Like, I, I think a guy would have been like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know what to do and just ran away. And that's the thing, like, all, from all the story that you've told, you know, and all these people have been brought into the room, you know, all these people, these names you've mentioned, I'm just like, you know, some of them I know, some of them I don't. But to hold the space, it's a language, to hold the space for someone who has just said they have cancer, to be able to sit in that, do you know what I mean? To be able oh, yeah. to ta- to take that and be comforting and be appropriate and all those things and the thing that you said to your dad I feel like I would have said the same thing because you just don't want to you feel like you're putting people through it dude is that what I you felt, felt bad yeah you I felt, felt bad like yeah. I had just put my parents through I'm getting divorced I need to find a lawyer I need like I had already done enough yeah I already felt like a disappointment mm. yeah yeah wow yeah and and this thing that has nothing to do with anything of choice or, you know, you, it still feels heavy for the people you love, you know? And so that, I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just with you in Bed Bath & Beyond. That's all. Oh yeah. That, that was, <laughs> I mean, and it's a great visual too. Like it's, you know, and that's the thing. Oh, and I was so mad I had shorts on. Like I was, I keep telling my best friend Lori, I'm like, I got diagnosed with a stupid green team shirt on and shorts. <laughs> like, I could have had a better outfit. Like, and then, of course, I, like, burned the shorts. I was just going to say, or no. burned the shirt. No, oh, no? it was horrible. I never, and my daughter goes to that school, so every time she wears a green team shirt, I'm like, green team shirt. <laughs> and it was my niece's birthday. Mm. And it was just like, so June 1st is, had forever changed my life. And yeah. then my, every year I'm like, oh, Olivia, happy birthday. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> well, for real. What I was going to say is there's so many layers of grief. Now, you're, you're, cancer-free or whatever the term right. is that you use, and, and things are, are 180 degrees better now mm-hmm. than they were on June 1st, nine, uh, 2010. Ten. Uh, there's so many layers of grief. The first and most obvious one is, you know, you can die from mm-hmm. cancer. Oh, my gosh. Like, talk about devastating. And then you have your daughter. I mean, like, I, it, can you even separate the grief in there, or was it all lumped in as one huge thing? The greatest concerns. Yeah. I think it was just the mantra was to get through it. And then it was more. For Lulu, I didn't know what to. It was it was like going back to what you said, like the guilt. I already felt bad. She didn't have two parents. Mm -hmm. And then now she's faced with a sick mom. But you never I never knew what the illness was going to look like. Yeah. So for Lulu. It didn't get icky. The surgery, when I had the bilateral, I was diagnosed June 1st. I had the bilateral July 15th. My sister was in town. My dad was in town. And we hired a nurse to care for me after the surgery. My mother-in-law, Lucy, I'll just call her my mother-in-law, was an angel. And she kept Lulu and Olivia for a week because Olivia wanted to be there with her mother, my sister. Liz stayed with me. Lucy took the girls for a week and just talking to Lulu when you came home, because you had like, I had both breasts removed. And at the same time I had recon or not re whatever the, yeah, well, reconstruction. So I had the, um, 
fillers put in at the same time for breast tissue expanders or what they're called. Um, it was more having Lulu. I couldn't hold her anymore. I couldn't pick her up. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. There was a physical part of it. And then it wasn't until I shaved my head. Because mm-hmm. I started chemo August 12th. I turned 36 August 8th. That birthday party was better than my wedding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my mom threw the best birthday party ever. <laughs> so fabulous. Um Sorry, chemo August 12th, and my hair fell out within two and a half weeks. Wow, fast. Yes, so we called the chemo the Who's Your Daddy package. (laughs) Once I found my oncologist, who was a perfect match for me, Dr. Wade, a woman, I would call her complete, no holds barred, this is what we're going to do, this is the course of treatment. When you have your pathology report, there's, so my Two best friends, or two of my best friends, Ellen Kennedy and Lori Flood. Ellen was coined the director of uh, business. She's BK, Business Kennedy. Mm -hmm. And Lori was the director of social-emotional development to make sure that I was emotionally healthy, getting through the stuff. And Ellen took over. Between the two of them, Ellen took over every finance, took care of Katie, chemo care, sent out the emails, made sure all my bills were paid, made sure that anything I need, she contacted directly with my father. And between the two of them and the circle, I was 100% taken care of. My Aunt Carol paid for someone to live with me three nights a week. Mm. Lulu's daycare took her on. I had chemo. Every, the, word, the regime, I had what's called dose-dense or who's your daddy package. You couldn't get more chemo than I got mm. once they found out how aggressive it was. And then I oh, and then I was it was triple negative. So the pathology report I had in July, and that she did a life expectancy with or without chemo. It didn't look so good without chemo. So yeah. I was going with option A. Yeah. And um, once we found out how aggressive the chemo was going to be, then the Katie Care team went into action, and that's where Ellen thrived. Mm-hmm. And then Lori made sure that. I was always healthy mm. emotionally. Mm. After my surgery, Lori lived with me for three weeks. Wow. She changed the tubes. She did all the stuff, changed the dressings after my sister left. She shaved my legs. Oh, wow. She bathed me. <laughs> friendship in new terms. Yes. Whole different level. Whole different level of friendship. hmm And I don't know these girls, but... They wouldn't have had it any other way. No, yeah, absolutely they not. They wouldn't have been able to function if they weren't doing that for you. Yes. They're very good. They're amazing. Yeah, so, I mean, my friends, there's no differentiation for me anymore between my family and my friends. Yeah. There is. There just isn't. Yeah. So, yeah. And we had a getting wiggy with it party. <laughs> So what did you do? Did you were you bald? Were did you wear the scarves? Did you do wigs? I did. We went. I bought two wigs. I had a weekend wig. It was really long, like highlights. <laughs> and then I had my work wig, which looked exactly like my hair. Yeah. Um. The wigs are really hot. Mm. <clears throat> Doesn't so, feel like real hair. It's no, even heavy. if they were human hair or synthetic, it's still hot because it's so. 
what people don't talk about is like when your hair starts to fall out, it hurts really bad. Oh. Wow. And so you are it, it So they, my account are just pinpointed to the day of when my hair was going to fall out. And then she, and she was right. I woke up and it was like a bird's nest. Like I woke up and all this hair was in my bed. Mm. And I was in my aunt's bed because I would sleep. Lulu was cared for by her daycare provider. I would have her sleep over the night before I had chemo. So I would have be able to wake up in the morning and go. And then um, you have all these pre-meds so you don't freak out during chemo. Because the infusions were like three hours. Mm. Um, I don't even remember. It seemed really long. Mm. It felt like three hours regardless. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, now I lost my train of thought. Just about the hair and it hurt. Oh, it hurt. hurt really bad to fall out. And then what you f- forget or what I didn't know. So once Lori shaved my head, it was kind of funny. We did a progression. Like we did a mohawk and we did a bohawk and then I shaved the whole thing. See, girls don't get to do that very often. It was very exciting. We videotaped the whole thing. And then, but you still, even if you shave your head, you have all this stubble. But then I looked like, it was like continents. Like I, it would still had holes. Mm -hmm. So then the next chemo session, that was something. My dad was, when my hair started, he was there for that chemo session when I slept at my aunt's. And then I remember going to, he was like going to the Macy's lady when it was well, Macy's or Marshall Fields. And he was like, I need scarves. I need scarves. And I'm sitting there and I'm crying because it hurt. Mm. And I didn't want to touch my, because anytime I touched it, it clumps would fall out. Mm. So I'm like, I don't want to touch it, but I needed scarves. And he's like, he's like, I need scarves. I need scarves. You have to get me some scarves like I need my daughter's losing her hair and then he I don't he must have bought every scarf they had in Macy's I mean he the lady's like here's 50 like just every color so um I wore scarves mainly chemo hats and scarves because the wigs I only wore when I went out Mm -hmm. I didn't really go out right the out in a work way or whatever you yeah and even at work I think it was I work at, at elementary school, and it was more like for I didn't want to scare the kids. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't. But the first chemo session, my parents came for my first chemo session. And um, I'll never forget. They came over in the morning to pick me up. And they both had pink on. Mm. And then, of course, I was like, Oh, now I got to change. <laughs> I got to go. So I went upstairs and I changed. We didn't talk on the way there. The first infusion, they give you so many pre-meds because you're so anxious or whatever. It wasn't that bad. My port was in my arm. I didn't do it in the chest because I thought that um, I had enough going on. In the <laughs> chest area? <laughs> enough trauma? Right. I was like, I'll do it in my arm. So that was fine. And then tell us about, I mean, I, I, we could probably do another hour about chemo in itself, but is that, is that the pain? Is the chemo? Is that the, is that the physical pain? I've, I've heard different stories from different people. What is, what the is- chemo itself, I felt like, was just such a means to an end. Like, I had to do it. So mm-hmm. it wasn't – the chemo treatment's nothing. I mean, again, oh, I called them like the cheap seats. Like if you didn't get there at a certain time and your schedule was there, you were in the group treatment room. But if you got there and you got the second floor, you got a private room. Oh, how so, interesting. And I always wanted the private room. I'm like, I, and because then you have, I'm young. And then people would look at me like, oh. Mm-hmm. 
every time, like I said, Ellen set up the Katie Care team, a friend of mine took me to every, I never went alone. My Aunt Mary came for probably most of them. And then they have volunteers that came. And I remember I ate Lorna Dunes all the time. Love Lorna Dunes. <laughs> What's Lorna Dunes? It's like it's a, a shortbread cookie. Oh, okay. Just volunteers come in and then these Girl Scout troops come and they knit your scarves while you're sitting there. Yeah. Like you just, you were, I was loved. My oncologist came every time. The worst part about chemo were the side effects. I was on so many steroids that I gained a ton of weight. Yeah. And I had such significant mouth sores. Oh. I couldn't eat food. Like, I couldn't eat any acid. I couldn't. So I ate bread. So I was, I gained a ton. I've still never lost the weight because then chemo put me into menopause. Oh, interesting. Interesting. And that was a whole other thing. Like, right before you get diagnosed, like, do you want, you're young. Do you want to freeze your eggs? I'm like, what? And they're like, but then you wouldn't, couldn't start your treatments for another six to nine months because then they get a pump you full of things to get your eggs ready. And I'm like, oh my God, no, no. I don't, we're, I'm good. I'll adopt a baby. I don't know what, I'm like, no. Yeah. And so you have all these things. And then I was chemically induced into menopause. And did they tell you that was going to happen? It was a possibility. possibility. Yeah. How long was the chemo process from beginning to end? I started chemo August 12th and I ended January 11th, 2012. Or 10, 11. 1-11-11. 1.111. So you started in August, and then that January you were done? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then when you were finishing chemo, you are having your last chemo treatment, did they know, like they're obviously monitoring along the way that it's working? You know, were they able to say, okay, this is it, you're you're done? They or- do that with the body scan. I was hospitalized. I'm, you're monitored so closely, but I was hospitalized once for several days because my red blood cell count tanked, and I had to get three blood transfusions. Mm. I, I was bleeding out somewhere, but they couldn't find it. And, of course, they did a colonoscopy. They didn't find it there. Yikes. Colonoscopy. Yeah, so I was has- – um, and I guess at the end, yeah, I get scans mm-hmm. every – I was getting scans every six months. Now, after this May, I go to every year. So – you finished. When did you get? And again, there's like so many. We need like four more hours because there's like sto- so many stories oh, no, with stories. I mean, like I'm sure you were just touching the surface story of your journey. But when do you get? When does someone come into a room and say to you, "It's gone"? July July fifteenth when they cut it out. They said it's gone, mm-hmm. and you're okay. Yes. So why the chemo? To make sure it doesn't come back. Got it. So you're cancer-free on July 15th. Mm-hmm. So at that point, are you viewing the world as, I'm going to, like, at any point, did you be like, oh, my gosh, I'm going, I, I might die? Or did you always, you never know, but did you have a good sense of hope that I'm going to get through this? The or- whole time, <clears throat> I knew I'd get through it. The chemo is, for me, was more of a reassurance that I was actually fighting something. Yeah. And my therapist, I did find a therapist, thank God, Dr. Right. Stephanie Ross, who deal is a health psychologist, and she only deals with women facing major medical issues at a young, young women. So um, she had told me, like, the fight, the chemo was reassuring. It's after the chemo that every time something hurts, anytime some, I'm scared. And that I don't know if that ever, it's dissipated a little bit. The residual effects, like chemo gave me rheumatoid arthritis. I won't take any meds for the rheumatoid arthritis because then I can't live a life that I want. Like, you can't drink. You can't do this. You can't do that. I'm like, well, um, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I'd rather be in pain. <laughs> and have my wine. Right. I have neuropathy in my toes permanently. Yeah. What is that? I have no feeling in my toes. My dad has. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it just, 
So that's why my signature thing are cowboy boots. Mm. But the reason I did that is because I now have no feeling in my toes. So my oncologist said I learned from another patient that the heel toe strike will keep you in balance always in cowboy boots. So I feel so confident in cowboy boots because I can always know where I'm going. Because I, when I don't have them on, I felt like when I was working through chemo, I fell down the stairs several times because I didn't feel when the stair like. So can you go jogging? I should be jogging. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if yes. you have a hard time walking and all that, I. It just, it's just, yeah, because it's just the rock motion of it. Yes, I should be doing a lot. Got of it. Things. So it's not like you are limited. <clears throat> uh, no, you, not you have, at all. You have the ability to do anything you want for Correct. the most part, with the exception of have more babies and rheumatoid arthritis. Um, I, I guess I'm getting at, is there any other lasting effects aside from the emotion, you know, and everything else? No, I don't think so. But the interesting thing is, do you find now when people, maybe people you knew before, or people you see now who know that you've gone through this experience and they'll say, okay, but now you're fine. Okay. It's over. And are you ever like, it's never over or I'm different or, I mean, of course it's over. You are in what, what did you say? If you reach five years, is that yeah. remission? Like, yeah. tell me what, what do you, what do people say that's kind of annoying and what do people say that's kind of soothing? I think it is difficult when people are like, it's behind you because it's, it's a life event. So you would never say the birth of your child. Oh, it's behind you. You will always remember it. You treasure, like, I don't, I just, I think I just live with it. I don't have cancer. I'm cancer free. But it's just, it's such a huge part of who I am. Absolutely. So it's weird. Like when I started dating, so I had, then I had to get divorced. Like I ended chemo in January and then I had to get, you can't get divorced when you're sick, P.S. Really? No, because my divorce lawyer was like, if you start to tank and we need more insurance or something bad happens. Oh. I mean, nothing happened. Like we tabled the divorce. The divorce was a moot issue. Like okay. that wasn't. Um, but then I still, I still had to get divorced. I still had to, to go through another traumatic life. Right, I still had to move forward with my life, but now I look completely different. Yeah. I don't feel the same and I'm a completely different person. Yeah. So there's just so, there's been so many times where I feel like I've been reborn over the last three and a half years. Yeah. Well, and that was one of the short conversations you and I were able to have at the loud party is that uh, we were talking about, you and I were talking about self-awareness, you know, the best way we could. And I think that was one of the things I said to you. I said, do you even like do the whole game anymore, you know, in dating or even when friendships like, you know, what has changed? And I can't even remember your exact words, but you're like, I just, none of that makes any difference. I just, I play no, no games. No games. No game. So it's int- it's funny because I hadn't dated since 99. Mm-hmm. Well, now you're 2011. Tw- oh, I didn't start dating till 2012 because I still didn't have hair mm-hmm. for a long time. I didn't look very good. I still had to get my, I had my nipples reconstructed because I had a complete bilateral. Then you have to get areolas tattooed on. Like there was, yeah. I needed to look more like a woman. Totally. Uh, or I did. You don't have to. Um, and dating is totally different mm-hmm. when you're versus 22 or whatever I was now versus 36. Yeah. Looks a lot different. <laughs> <laughs> we need to have another show Yikes. about dating at 30, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Ugh. And and how quickly does that come up? Does cancer come up in that conversation when you're when somebody you're at dinner with somebody? I I can talk about I finally met someone that's 
amazing, and I've completely fallen in love with him, and I'm so, so lucky to have him. Um, We had gone on three dates before it came up, and I felt bad that it didn't, like I had had this fundraiser for this first ascent I went on a cancer survivor kayaking trip to Montana over the summer, which was life-changing. And I was having a fundraiser, and I kept talking about the fundraiser and talking about the fundraiser. And they said, well, I'll go. And I'm like, no, you can't go. You can't go because then you would, you know. So eventually I told him, I said, I I did lie to you, which I'm very uncomfortable with doing. I said, I had this fundraiser because I was a participant. That is a passion of mine is to pay it forward to a cancer survivor. Mm -hmm. I said, and then he's like, really? And he's like, you would never know. And I was like, well, you also haven't seen me with my top off. Might look a little different. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We'll get there. Right. I was like, later. Hey, yep. <laughs> and his response was, okay. I'm so glad you're here. Something mm. just like, and then I think he gave me a hug. And I mean, it was just kind of like, that was it. And that, then. That's a beautiful thing to say. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't have to be complicated. No, it, no, it wasn't. He was just like, oh, and he was cooking dinner and he's like, oh, okay. You know, oh, and I think he to- we toast. And then he's like, I'm just so glad you're here. Mm. I said, me too. Yeah. That was it. It was a non-issue. It's never been an issue. Yeah. Well, and like, you know, when we, and I, you know, I don't know if this is what you'd say about dating later or just like you said, fully accepting yourself and having self-awareness. But when you meet people, you accept the whole package because you can't be in your mid thirties or forties or whatever, not have extreme life experiences. Right. And I've realized no one at our age, and it doesn't matter what it is. Nobody doesn't have any baggage. Absolutely. You can't meet and someone. And if they say they don't, they're lying. They're lying. <laughs> they're covering up the right, baggage. There's, with something, a... there's something's wrong with their mother. I don't know. Totally. Somebody has something. Everybody has something. So mine is just, hello. Hello. We're, we're downstairs and we're hearing things upstairs. All our children are playing. So, Katie, this is my question for you, like, you know, wrapping this conversation up. What, what can people, like, it sounds like you were just talking about your kayaking trip. So you're obviously doing things, like you said, to pay it forward. And what that are, was my, ther- not to cut my, I have no one, none of my friends are divorced. None of my friends have had cancer. And my therapist was like, you need to meet people that are like you. And I'm not encouraging you to go out and find a whole group of divorced women because that never is a good idea, she said. Like, they're just just like, then you'll go like crazy. Right. Um, She's just like, you need to find other cancer survivors and tell me about this program, First Descents. And I applied and I went on this amazing. And now I'm going to a wedding of a girl that's another breast cancer survivor in May. Like friends for a lifetime. Yeah. And they are unbelievable. It's the kind of people that you meet them for the first time and you're like, we know each other. And that, and that was it. And yeah. yeah. And we talk all the time and going to their wedding. I mean, for, I'm going to, I'm flying with my boyfriend to go to a wedding for a woman that I met for five days. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, uh, the, that's how important. And then I'm going this weekend to the First Ascent Ball in Aspen. And I'm bringing my sister, and I'm going to host a table, and I'm going to be there. And So this organization is called First Ascent, am I saying? First Descent. Descent. Okay, and so is there a website for that that people can look at? I think you it's know? firstdescents.org. We'll, we'll put it on we'll, the show we'll notes. We'll post oh. it on the show notes. So for anybody who has had you know, this life experience, that this is somewhere they can go. And or, it's a free trip. You can choose from surfing, kayaking, or rock climbing mm-hmm. for oh, one week. Oh. And you are it's unbridled love. I mean, it is unbelievable 
Well, and it's kind of like the walking events. Like what I love about these events is it's living. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Instead of let's all sit around. And, and that's their motto is outliving it. Mm-hmm. Outliving it. I love it. Oh, outliving it. Mm-hmm. Got it. Play on words. <laughs> we had a uh, guest on last summer, Johnny Emmerman, who started an mm-hmm. organization called Emmerman Angels. Are you familiar with those? Yeah, guests? I volunteer for them. I'm not. I would love to be a mentor angel someday. I still feel that I'm too close. Mm. Yeah. I feel I don't want anyone's cancer experience for me. I don't know how I could be a part of. I, I'm not ready yet. Yeah. But I volunteer at their events. Nice. That's all. That I, yeah. And I've met some great people. I think that's fantastic that you understand that because a lot of people would jump in, you know, jump into something like that, and be like, "This is something I have to do to get." myself out of myself and the truth is you have to have the, the healing process is long and wide yeah you know I'm what not, I mean? not ready not ready Mm-mm. four years right four Did years it, out what am I yeah 20, no you're three. three years out three years out all right all right um any last thoughts because I want to close with a movie clip oh wow um it's I'd known Katie for you know it's not like we're best friends or anything but from college and right we'd always see each other at bars and what, what would I always call common theme? What, what would I what would I always call you? Do you remember Vespa? Vespa, and why would I say that? Because I look like the girl from Spaceballs. Not so fast, Lone Star. Help! <laughs> so, at last we meet for the first time, for the last time. Yeah. Before you die, there is something you should know about us, Lone Star. What? I am your father's, brother's, nephew's, cousin's, former roommate. What's that make us? Absolutely nothing. Which is what you are about to become. Okay, great quote, but that doesn't have Daphne Zuniga in it. I know, but it's a great quote. <laughs> I There's no best fun in that quote. Um, I like the one they're combing the desert. Yeah. So for those of you who haven't seen Spaceballs, then maybe you know Melrose Place. Yes. Or you maybe go. you know The Sure Thing, and that is what Katie Weiss She's like. your yes. long-lost twin. <laughs> she is my long-lost twin. But am I the only... No, you said a few other people have drawn that comparison, Yes. Correct? Uh-huh. And then it's that? funny. I met my boyfriend's kids on Friday night, and the oldest one, Lua, said... Um, she's, she was like, her favorite movie was Spaceballs, and I couldn't stop laughing. I, <laughs> and then I talked about you, Todd. That's right. It's because it's a great movie. And uh-huh. you came into the room. That's right. I was there. Um, any last things? Because then I'm going to play your favorite song. Um, I don't know. Don't know? Well, there's... I, I guess my biggest thing is to have open lines of communication, make sure... It's overall health, not only like breast health, just overall women's health and being and knowing your family history and just being okay with your body and like just being okay talking about things that are very uncomfortable. Because if you don't talk about things, it, it things could go wrong. Mm-hmm. Just talking about it. Well, you certainly did today. And finding that, well, and finding it's both sided because you talking about your body and having an understanding of your body and having friends who can listen and people who can, I mean, I, this conversation, there's so many pieces that I'm taking away, but what your friends did for you and these, and your aunt and your family did for you, um, that's amazing. It is. It is. And they held you up and they, like I said, they wouldn't have had it any other way. Um, you know, Todd and I both had people in our family who were sick, and we, you know, your place is to be with them. So there's never a question about that. But when you're the recipient of it, 
it's it I can't you know the way that you must feel about these people oh amazing and I don't know and it's not about they did it with because they wanted to, yes. not because they had. They felt like they had to. Absolutely. And so, anyway, I can pay it forward to them or any other any other person. Love in the deepest way. Last yes. surfacey question: Did you buy the towels and use that coupon? I did not. <laughs> I got the, I got out of Bed Bath and Beyond. You got out of there. No purchase required. No purchase. No um, purchase. So I'm going to play this song and tell me why this is your favorite song. Any any special connection with it? Oh, I just reminds me of my grandparents. Who I truly feel is, I tell Lulu all the time that Gigi, her great-grandma, is her angel. And that mine is my grandfather. Mm. Just make sure that I'm going to be all right. Wow, that's mm. awesome. It's well, a movie I remember. Thank you very much thank for you. being so fun. vulnerable and telling your story. And I, you just I, helped a lot of people. Yes. I hope and, so. And we're going to put you know, your information and this organization you belong to, and I just have a feeling you changed some lives. So oh, yeah. thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Katie. And someone believed it Look what it's done so far What's so amazing That keeps us stargazing And what do we think we Did you want me to start singing? <laughs>